You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. The Podcast of Terror is a show with adult themes, run by adults, for adults. Please do not have your children listen to this show. It might be beneficial to them in the long run, but please, please wait until they are older. This is one of those things. It's like when you laugh when you're playing bingo and and 069 comes up and you have a chuckle and your mom, your kitty says, uh, uh, Mommy, Mommy, why, why are you laughing at 069? And the mommy says, uh, when you're older. It's one of those kinds of things. Mommy, Mommy, can I listen to Podcast of Terror? Sure. When you're older. This is a show with adult themes and some childish behavior. A lot of dick jokes. Uh, so please, please, please. Uh, if you want to avoid the swearing, if you want to avoid spoilers for your favorite horror movies, and if you want to avoid really, really lame, petty dick jokes, do not listen to this show. It is not for you. Corey, how often do you wear a shirt? Not as often as you would think. Yeah, it's always nice to cover up your nipples, and maybe your neighbors are complaining because they're hairy. I know you they, like they, wear, you wear shirts when it, we do these shows. That's about it, from what I understand. It's more that I just give off a glare that blinds drivers by. It is hot in California, so I assume that you sweat. There's a there's a slight sheen to you, and the California sun just. Pshh, I don't even sheen. I estevez. <laughs> that that is, if you do not want to estevez in public, we have two places in which you can go. We got two coupon codes to make your life a little cheaper. Uh, you can go visit a uh, frequent guest and friend of the show, Matt Vincent. His his website thehate.com. That's the hviii.com use the coupon code hbg15 for 50 percent off your order maybe you hate him i don't know he's he's kind of a likable guy but if you hate him and you want to go spend your money somewhere else we got this other place go to statusfearmerch.com uh, another uh, sponsor of the show friend of the show he does all our artwork he's a really nice guy he does all the, the art for my band except for the stuff that Corey's wife draws head over to statusfearmerch.com use the coupon code terror get you a little nice discount there Guess who's back in the motherfucking house with a big fat dick for that motherfucking mouth? There we go. This is episode 101 of the podcast of Terror. I'm your host, Matt Stein. With me as always is Corey. It's small, but I work with it. Scott. Corey, how are you? It's true. Uh, like my rap tunes, I keep it short. I leak it, leak, keep it quick. And uh, I keep it really sloppy. I tell your wife I'm sorry. No, um, lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's as you heard a female voice. We don't have females on this show very often, so I make not sure often to enough pull out all of the dick references when we do have them to make them incredibly uncomfortable. Set the bar low, and then when you, you you're a little higher than the bar, then you've done well. <laughs> uh, our guest this week is the host of Murder Under the Midnight Sun podcast, and uh, she's our new friend, uh, Ariel Jane. How are you? Hey guys, doing pretty good. I actually uh, just finished the movie like. Less than an hour ago, so I'm, it's I'm in the zone. My Sunday morning ritual is to drink a lot of coffee and watch whatever movie I've been assigned. So that's a good. Ritual. I had to watch it. I had to watch it in two sittings. I started this movie. Um, I was really happy that you mentioned this as being one of your movies. Um, mm-hmm. and since we never even said what it was, I should probably mention it's uh, Chopping Mall. Um, yeah. A couple weeks ago, I was up in uh, Door County, which is the thumb of Wisconsin, if you're unfamiliar, uh, getting incredibly drunk with some high school friends. And we brought the 10 worst horror movies of all time, and Chopping Mall was one of them. And we got about halfway through (laughs) before I got so drunk, I didn't know what my name was, so I had to finish it. By the way, I didn't know Wisconsin had a thumb, seeing as I'm originally from Michigan. 
Do you keep it on Ohio's ass? What is what is the the? No, we stay we stay far away from Ohio because Ohio is a shit show. Yeah, (laughs) which I'm going to like two times in the next six months. But they have Cedar Point. I don't like roller coasters. The world can't be that bad if you got Cedar Point. I don't know. I dated a girl who uh, liked roller coasters a lot, and she would like hike her knees up so when they brought the bar down, it would rattle while she jumped. Oh, Oh no. Yeah, and I'm like, I fucking whatever. And then she clogged my parents' toilet and overflowed shit all over the place. But always living oh on the edge. Oh my god, <laughs> that took a uh, dark turn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't really say her name or her nickname in case she listens to this, but I doubt she does. But if she does, she knows. She knows. Otherwise, she just thinks she's one of a twenty different girls who clogged your parents' toilet. My parents had poor plumbing. It's it not. Sounds like she has poor plumbing. She was. Yeah, that was. It sounds like you have a particular type. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa! Only one girl I have dated has shit such a meaty shit that it clogged and overflowed a toilet, and that was long right. before I met my wife. It's not my wife either. Anyways, okay, so. well. Yeah. Can yeah. you put that out there? <laughs> yeah, good, no, it's not my wife. Save. She's she's good not save. a toilet no. overflower. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, I don't even know how to podcast anymore. It's been like two months. <laughs> but uh, for more on this podcast, podcast, including show notes, contact information, subscription links, go to gncast.com slash pot. You can chat with us on our Slack channel during our shows at gncast.com slash sign up. And while you're there, uh, you can subscribe to the newsletter that we have as well. Um, Ariel, why don't you talk about your show? I am a fan because I love true crime. But for the eight people that listen to our show that aren't familiar, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk all about it? Well... I live in Alaska, born and raised. I've lived here 30-ish years, and I decided to do a true crime podcast because, you know, it's one of my biggest interests, and I chose to focus on Alaskan crimes because a lot of them are pretty fucked up and never really got the, like, national media attention that so I cover a lot of stories that no one's ever heard of, but are like crazy. Like <laughs> there's a couple I've covered where it's like, you know, one third of a tiny town's population is murdered in one day. So there's a lot of w- really weird crimes that have happened up here. Um, and I like crime pods that are cases I've never heard of. So that's kind of, what I aim to do. And so far, I think I've only had like one overlap um, with other podcasts. So, nice. and uh, where can the nice people find you? You can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, pretty much anywhere fine podcasts are sold. Um, I'm on Facebook. I've got a page under the Midnight Sun. And I'm on Twitter at Murder the Sun. And I'm probably most active on Twitter if. You're into that sort of thing. Awesome. Well, thanks again for coming. We've been trying to set this up for a while, but uh, I needed, I, I like hit podcasting menopause and I needed a break. I hear that. Yeah. It happens once in a while. Um, yeah. That was going through the change yeah. and the change was doing this goddamn show every week. Well, the, like, <laughs> so a couple days ago, Corey and I reconnected. I bought a new computer, so I had to make sure my shit worked. And uh, this weekend was the first weekend I've been home since like the middle of August. And, uh, Mm-hmm. it sucks so it's, it's like i didn't really get a break at all but um gotcha my liver 
also to not get a break. <laughs> I was going to say, because you stopped drinking as soon as you stopped podcasting, right? You took the, yeah. the couple of months off and, and drank. Nope. You just strictly, I would assume, lift an iced tea. But I came home from Kansas with three cases of beer. Um, and then I was in Door County drinking. One of my coworkers actually had to question what I was doing because my untapped was updating so quickly. He wasn't sure <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> um, is it social media or is it a cry for help? It's both. It's both. Uh, I do want to mention that Alaska is home to one of my favorite beers of all time. What's that? Uh, it is Midnight Sun Brewing's Treat. It's their chocolate pumpkin porter. Yeah, they uh, they have a lot of awesome beers. They're, you know, obviously hometown favorite. Mm -hmm. um, and we actually have, you know, pretty decent local breweries. But I think that they're probably the most popular by far. So they have a lot of great beers. I need to get up there. I have uh, some asshole that I know through work goes up there to watch hockey every year. So I make him bring me back a couple bottles of treat. I to hope watch he's not listening. Hockey? Yeah, he <laughs> went to uh, Northwestern University, which is in the UP of Michigan. And mm -hmm. uh, they like it enough that they go to Alaska to watch hockey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. That's about how I feel. Weird. Anyway. <laughs> fucking weird guy. He's a he's a network engineer. They're all weird. Yeah, but, that's true. Yeah, very true. So, um, before we go ahead and get into the movie, so okay, we should also mention technically this is season two. We did what uh, worst episode ever did, which is literally where we steal everything from. We did a hundred episodes season one. Mm -hmm. took, a, took a little break and now we're going back for season two so season two we're making some changes we're going to kind of get rid of the news uh just to make the episodes a little more timeless okay it's uh, it's really fucking difficult to try and find news every week um yeah. and if we miss a week because i have diarrhea or something we have to like find all news stories so right, we're getting rid of that but before we get into okay. the chopping mall discussion hey Corey, what you drinking uh, I am back to my Lipton iced tea, which I never left. I, I can't. It, it's boring. It's the only thing that keeps me alive. I have so little. <laughs> you got a sweet ass, though. Ariel, what are you, are you, are you drinking anything? I tried to warn not, you. It's like Not even, what time is it? It's like not even five o'clock here yet. So I've got five minutes. So maybe. Maybe, maybe in five minutes you'll get something. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. I think it was 1230 when I had my first beer yesterday, but. We've recorded, show, we've recorded this show early in the morning for me, uh, and mm -hmm. you're only two hours ahead of me, Matt, so I know that you've had beers at 10 a.m. Well, you can't drink all day if you don't start before noon. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's... I like beer. I did a bunch of yard work yesterday. It was warm-ish here. I had to have beer and play video games. Fuck you guys. <laughs> so in five minutes, we'll circle back, and you better be drinking <laughs> something. We need to take a break so you can get a, a beverage. That's fine. But, uh... It is today. The day we're recording this is October first. So when this comes out, it'll be the third on Tuesday. Um, birthday, did you just say happy birthday, Dad? Yeah, it's my dad's. It's your dad's birthday. birthday? <laughs> yeah. Is it the? It's not the one that hates us, right? Thinks I swear too much. No, that, that's my stepfather <laughs> who thinks Jack swears too much. Yeah, it's probably right. <laughs> Potty mouth, fuck. Um, so I have some special white girl beers because it's October. It's white girl season. Um, I've. I'm offended by this. No, don't be. <laughs> don't be. Um, I probably can like more white girls. than most white girls. Go back uh, to Snoop Dogg. If we're talking. <laughs> I don't like it at all. You really, you really don't? Not at all. I actually don't really drink coffee, so 
Oh, see, I had pumpkin Cheerios. Uh, I made Ew. pumpkin bread pudding, <laughs> pumpkin beer, uh, pumpkin pie, pumpkin bars, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin Twinkies, pumpkin donuts. Yeah. That's a lot of pumpkin. Yeah, if you ever, if I ever ask why I'm fat, just reference this conversation. Be like, it's all those pumpkin <laughs> okay. snacks you're putting in your fucking pie hole. It's weird um, that you like so much pumpkin when you're so out of your gourd. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, I'm bad. drinking funkier pumpkin. Funkier pumpkin from Boulevard in Kansas City. Uh, it was one of my groomsmen's gifts for being in a wedding last weekend. And uh, back up, I got this pumpkin stout that's uh, going to go in my mouth hole here pretty quick. <sighs> All right. Now that I'm properly lubed, let's talk about shopping mall. Okay. Uh, so I have to ask, you really, sorry, you no. really think it's in like the top 10? Of it's pretty bad i mean the internet the internet told me it was in the top 10 worst movies ever it's not okay 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 <laughs> i mean there's with with all movies there's like kind of you have to give an explanation it's not a good movie but it is an entertaining mm -hmm. movie it's not yeah, it's scary extremely. it's super fucking easy but it's entertaining and that's that's what i want i want entertainment um yeah there was some real 80s moments which i kind of laughed at like it was the whole very... everyone's yeah, everyone's fucking in the furniture store. I know. My favorite line of the whole movie was, call me the king. And then the, kid, the weird kid just goes, hmm, furniture king. Yeah. I laughed. I laughed a lot. I, I kind of feel like people that put that in like the top 10 worst uh, horror movies have neither heard of trauma nor seen a trauma movie because those are, many of them, I mean, you just can't make it through because they're, so dumb not even remotely entertaining yeah and this is the 80s when like even crap movies wound up getting a soundtrack put out on a record label uh yeah they, they put effort into this stuff even if it wasn't the greatest films in the world and this film wasn't very successful in the theaters uh -huh. uh, in fact i think it might have come out with one name and then they changed the name later on from killbots <laughs> To chopping wow. mall. Yep. Uh, based on the suggestion from a janitor at the mall that they shot at, which was also used for Fast Times at Richmond High, but the <laughs> the movie found big success on VHS and on cable. Which at that point in time, this is '86 that this came out. It was still kind of a new thing for mm -hmm. a film to to get that kind of following after it failed in the theaters. And it, it's not like it was made on a big budget or anything. It was an early film for the guy who made it. I think he wrote the script and, with the agreement that he would get to direct it. And it was right. suggested by Roger Corman's wife, uh, who was also a filmmaker and producer. And so, and so Corman was a kind of consultant for the film. And for the first few days, they were just like, we just want to make this so that Roger will be proud of it. And Roger came in and he's like, I really love what you guys are doing, so continue on. I liken this to yes. Robocop. Uh, in fact, you can call it Robomallcop. Uh, I wish <laughs> just that there was a sequel with Paul Blart. That's what I'm waiting for. Um, <laughs> but it, it's, got, it's got a lot of the same kind of sensibilities. There's some silliness. The whole opening scene of them shooting the mall uh, just feels like they put a lot of effort into showing what mall culture was like. The girl walking yeah. with the drink and everybody coming by her and her like trying not to spill them and winding up spilling them everybody. Uh, the the very, very opening with them introducing the the killbots 
as the new security guards for the mall and everything felt straight out of Robocop as well. Like, here's us advertising to you this new product that we're selling you. And uh, my wife just saw Robocop for the first time this week. And she's like, yeah, I just never watched it because it looks stupid. And then she comes into the room an hour later. She goes, why has no one told me that Robocop is the greatest fucking movie of all time? Because like, <laughs> everybody just assumed that you've seen Robocop. I think that this movie is That's great. So I, I I love and, and sh- this is another one. When I said I was reviewing a chopping mall this week, she goes, that is a great ass movie. Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's things in this like that are just for the the in the know people like uh, there's there's two actors, um, Paul Bartel and Mary Warrenoff, who play uh, yes. Paul Bland and Mary Bland, who are f- characters from Eating Raul. Um, yeah, I was actually looking and- into all the actors and actresses, too. I saw that. And it was and like Dick a weird Miller little nod, Walter... and like yeah. And they improvise the whole interaction. Talk about the restaurant. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Dick Miller, who a lot of people recognize from a lot of things, but from the Gremlins movies, uh, he yeah. plays Walter Paisley, who is a character he played it. Yeah, he played Walter Paisley in Bucket of Blood, which I just saw recently on the the Saturday Night Horror Movie Creature Features out here. Um, which is about a guy who works at a, a beatnik club that winds up accidentally covering a cat with sculpting clay and then selling it and becomes known as an artist and then keeps killing people and covering them with sculpting clay like they're his statues that he's made and just mm-hmm. gets more and more popular doing it. So there's three characters that are from other horror-ish movies already. This is a complete tongue-in-cheek film that is a ton of fun. Plus, it's got a bunch of people from Night of the Comet including Kelly Maroney, which is one of my favorite 80s movies. I love this flick. Too, and I mean, watching it this time around uh, with a more analytical vibe, I guess, I noticed so many more Easter eggs and looking up each of the actors and actresses, I was like, holy shit, like, well, obviously Barbara Crampton, you know, Scream Queen. Yeah, reanimated. I did notice all the, like, Roger corman connections um and i mean the part where uh the douchebag you know i'm talking about says klatu verata niktu to the robot i was like oh my god i never caught that before (laughs) this is a horror movie that's made for people who love horror movies in in the middle 80s uh the the one caveat is that chopping mall makes no sense for the name I know. And the cover art, totally misleading. You're expecting somebody to get slashed, you know, probably with a knife, not lasers and exploding heads. Yeah. <laughs> Although that, that exploding head scene is is just like that's prime 80s beauty in, in horror films. That is it a shot great. that everybody knows and loves. Yes. I, uh, I really remember seeing the cover when I was younger in the video store, which I do remember and I miss them dearly. Um, and I used to see this video there and I was just like, man, I want to see that movie. It looks awesome based on the cover art. So I finally watched it when I was probably, I don't know, 29 and was like, this movie's completely different than I possibly expected. <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, <clears throat> having not read anything based on the name, kind of going back to what you guys said, is like, I never would have expected it to be laser shooting robots. Right. Maybe like yeah. a crazed knife man. Yeah, exactly. 
And the robots are really well done for what you think is a low-budget horror movie. They seem pretty solidly made. Now, in 1986, there was also another movie uh, that I, I want to say. It's a Wes Craven film called Deadly Friend that had Christy Swanson in it. Yeah, that was that, a bad one. Yeah, but that's also got a very similarly done robot. So we're, we're at a point in time where everything's trying to be short-circuit except taken to a horror level. Uh, we've, we've had RoboCop at this point. Um, so it's not unusual that you can see these things happening more and more, but they're, they're still pretty good examples of making these things because you see a lot of schlock of like, oh, the robot is this, and it's just like poorly claymation-type animation for it and just looks like garbage. These things look really good. The designs were well done. Yeah. The director of the film actually did the voice for the, the Killbots when he was always saying, thank you, have a nice day. Um, that was that mm -hmm. was the guy who made the movie. But I I was pretty impressed overall with the quality of it. Um, even though there were ridiculous moments of them like going up the escalator, it's like, no, the, the, there's no way you're going that thing up the escalator. But they, it <laughs> right. looked okay. It looked believable just to watch it unless you actually think about it and you never want to think about these things. I thought the um, effects really stood the test of time, you know, like uh, getting the, the ripped out, like that would look pretty decent for, you know, a theoretically low budget 80s movie. Yeah, and the kills weren't really high end. There was there wasn't a lot of variance. It was a couple of throat rips. Um, the the lasers, I don't know where the lasers came from. It's like, oh, these are totally non-lethal robots. They've got tasers. But some of them develop laser systems as well, and they're just shooting all over the place, uh, like Battlestar. But it it was overall, it all looked good. It looked yeah easily as as what you would expect from any kind of mid range sci fi movie at that point mm -hmm. in time. Yeah, um, I felt like it just really, really embodied the eighties. Um, first mm -hmm. time I watched it, I was like. That whole mall opening scene, I was like, this is like the most 80s thing I've ever seen. It was amazing. And it was just, some of the comedy was so ridiculous. Like, everybody was like having troubles. People were just like tripping all over themselves throughout this mall. And I was like, I feel like this, you know, that was my first time watching it. I felt like I'd seen it before because it just felt like quintessentially 80s for lack of a better description. Yeah, as a kid who who grew up in the '80s and and not quite age equivalent to these guys, but certainly I, I reached their age uh, before the '80s ended. Mm -hmm. I I completely felt at home in this, uh, mm -hmm. and it, it it helps that there's a familiarity because again, this mall has been in other things. They wanted to get a different mall, but it was too expensive, so they wound up going with the one that they used. Uh, like I said, that was in Fast Times, which Kelly Maroney was actually in. That's what As I was well. gonna say. Yeah, I was gonna. I looked up everybody and seeing if any of them were still acting and that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, she was in Fast Times, which I and it is now that you mention it, it's very noticeable that that's the, that's the same mall. Yeah, but at the same time, all the malls kind of felt like they looked the same at that point. I was really geeked when I saw a Floorsheim there, since I used to work at a strip mall that uh, had a Floorsheim, but it just. It it's totally right. It it totally makes sense, and it it feels like it's almost a commentary on consumerism at some points, 
Um, yeah. Which is exactly what it should do. It It's not trying to be super serious. It is trying to be a comedic horror movie, but not as funny as as some of the other ones. It's not Critters, right. but it, it's certainly not trying to be super dark either. It, it knows what it's doing. Exactly. I felt that it, it tried hard to, you know, hit the right notes with like the, you know, little, I guess you would call them like taglines or whatever, but didn't quite work out. There were a few that stuck out, but I mean, especially like the ending, like have a nice day, you know, yeah. I was like, man, they could have done so much better with that. It was a little disappointing. It was like they were having a late night in the writer's room and they're like, oh, they're like, fuck it. Have a nice day. We have to <laughs> end, end this. There's got to be some sort of funny line she can say, okay, how about just the robot's line? All right, let's go do some coke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they could have at least, and I guess it would have had to do with expensive shooting somewhere else, but they could have at least made it seem like there were more of these robots at other malls. You know, right. because that's the thing. It's like we've sold it to this place and they they all went crazy because lightning struck the same box four times to make the robots go crazy. Even though they're not plugged into anything, it's just hitting this box up at the top, which it, it's wireless charging, Corey. Get your okay, shit together. Sure. Yeah, goddamn fucking eighties technology. <laughs> Blown capacity. I just thought it was so funny how important the mall was. It's like Obviously, the mall was a huge thing in the eight. The fucking office looks like NASA mm -hmm. and awesome, like, robot technology. And they're using it to patrol the mall instead of, you know. Uh, he's watching pornography. slightly more important. <laughs> no, he's watching a lot of pornography. We all know it. But but here's, here's well, <laughs> I mean, on what, though? Because he would have had to actually have a VCR or something to watch it at that point. Um, oh, he was just looking Betamax. at the boobs. Remember? Yeah, he, he was just looking... <laughs> At a at a centerfold that was in the middle of his his how do I fix this crap? Oh wait, here's tits. Slowly um, downloading a picture with his his fifty eight six modem. Yeah, that that's a problem. Is you try to run that technology on a Commodore Vic twenty? Um, <laughs> but, I think you just dated yourself. I, I dated this picture. Uh, but the amount of money that they would have spent for three of these robots and the technology to keep it up and the guy who's sitting there and supposed to be monitoring it all night, they could have hired 50 security guards and still paid half as much for the next 10 years of their salary when minimum wage was 425 at that point. It, it's, it's kind of like, Oh yeah, we, we got these things. And, and then the people are just like, Oh, we should get these for the restaurant, you know, for the uh, customers yeah. that annoy us. I know. And it's funny how it's like, they're totally foolproof. Nothing will go wrong. All you have to do is have your ID card with you. So if you right. don't have your ID card, you're just going to get tased. Yep. Do you think they were yelling, don't tase me, bro, in the 80s? <laughs> no. No? We, that was when we wanted to get tased. We were like, let's see what this feels like. We didn't have jackass yet. We, we couldn't see Bam Majera getting a taser on his ball sack. It was like, oh, let, I don't know. That looks cool. How else do you know you're alive if you haven't been tased in the old beanbag? You don't. All right. I don't know why this is taking so long, Corey. You don't I'm, know I'm really not sure. Uh, according to certain tech industry highballs, I'm I'm living in the Matrix, so fuck it. Huh. I can't stop thinking about the fact that you just talked about balls again. <laughs> the show is back. Yeah, right. <laughs> Didn't take us out. I've already spilled beer. 
I can't. I have no paper towel to wipe it up. I'm just now rubbing it into my skin. <laughs> this is good job. Yeah, this is this is happening. I should put paper towels in here. I'm I'm in spice I am hand cream. I am a fucking thirty year old baby. <sighs> now my desk is sticky. So speaking of 80s, uh, aside from Kelly Maroney, who was a pretty popular screen queen in that time, Tony O'Dell uh, played Ferdy in this. Tony O'Dell, the only thing I know him from besides this is head of the class. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the, the preppy lead in that show. I've never seen him in anything else other than this movie, but I don't know. I actually thought he was definitely the best looking out of all of the guys, even though he was supposed to be the nerd. And... I mean, it was kind of, it was just so, uh, I guess, cliche how like they, how the nerdy guy and this Kelly Maroney is supposed to be like this dorky chick are just like getting fixed up. And it's like kind of immediately showing you like, okay, this is going to be like the final guy and girl or the final girl. Yeah. And they, they didn't quite do the totally innocent final girl. Like she has to be completely virginal. Um, but they they did they were making yeah. out in a room full of uh, three of their friend couples banging like ten feet away. Yeah, it's that like, was weird. Oh man, like I don't. 1986. I was 15. I don't remember a lot of orgies. I'm I sure that one. they existed. Yeah, but or you just want to let you know, I was one year old in 1986. Uh, thank you. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm just gonna. Sorry, proceed with your orgy conversation. Speaking of balls, they just shriveled up and crawled up inside of me. Thanks for that. Uh, but it was just like, I don't know. Like, It didn't seem like any of the guys that had the girlfriends already weren't having sex somewhere. So the idea of like, we have to do it in the store all in mass seemed really bizarre. Yeah. It's like, this is the only way to get a clean bed. Especially the married couple. Like... They seem like they're supposed to be a couple years older and they're married, but they're hanging out with characters that seem like they're 17 and also having sex at the mall for some reason. <laughs> well, the age difference thing, I don't know if it that was seen as that big of a deal in the 80s. It, it was a weird time. It was, it was a different time. I but... mean, have either of you ever gone shopping for a mattress? Yeah, this is going somewhere, trust me. So when you go to those stores, do you not lay on all the beds? Do you think yes, they wash but I do not sheets? have sex on them. <laughs> but do you think they wash the sheets? So you're 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 saying that they're having sex in a furniture store for a clean bed right. is bullshit because those are fucking the dirtiest beds. They're probably worse than hotels. That's like money. Yeah, and I, the first thing That's I do true. when I go into a hotel is I strip off that top blanket with my foot and I kick it across the room in the corner and I leave it I there. I get butt naked and I alligator roll and then I jizz everywhere. <laughs> Okay. Matt just instead of leaving a tip on the pillow when he leaves, Matt just leaves a, a portable black light. And he's like, "Enjoy." <laughs> just, just turn the lights off for maximum effect. They don't okay, even so clean actually, it; they just set the I place on fire. Because they were like teenagers, so there's nowhere else for them to go be. That's what I assumed. Together. That's why I was like, "Why is this married couple showing up to hang out with their teenaged friends and also having this like romantic seduction in a mall?" They're the weird ones. That's why. I was also was confused because they said strange. they made some sort of comment about like, well, if the place is trash on Monday, we're all going to get fired. So it's Friday night. The place it might be trash on Monday. It's a mall. They're open on the weekends. That's where most of their business is going to come in. So 
they're going to have to spend half the night cleaning up the place. It's not like they got all day Saturday and Sunday to go and, and fix everything up. And if they do plan on cleaning the sheets, where? In the mall fountain? That's true. Yeah, that's... I, I never really... I mean, sorry, I'm getting hung up on this whole clean sheet situation, but... <laughs> it's a good thing to get hung up on. Huh. I didn't even think that much about it, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, it's a... It's I like clean sheets, all right? I, I wash my sheets often. It, it, there's not a reason not to. Um, unless you just like to lie on your own stink and dead skin cells. I wash my sheets too, but I think in like a killer robot movie, like um, <laughs> my suspension of disbelief is already pretty up there. So I'm not really thinking about the logistics of the sheets. <laughs> well, right there, right there is automatically like, how do you fight off killer robots? So first of all, they go and they find automatic weapons at a gun store in the mall. Again, yeah. it's the eighties. Um, yeah. But in California. And second of all, did you think maybe just putting a blanket over them? Because <laughs> holy they, shit, it's like a fucking alligator. You cover its eyes and thinks it's dead. They can't see that if they try to roll over it, they're just going to get all tangled up in it and shit. Then you just push them down the stairs. Uh, there's so many ways that they could have done this, but like we're going to just shoot at them instead uh, because they're completely encased in metal. And and then I we're going to run around and... with, <laughs> with big fucking canisters of gasoline. Why do you have canisters of gasoline at the mall either? That's what I was also wondering about. And it seemed like the level of intelligence of the robots was kind of back and forth a little because at one point they seem totally sentient. Like one is like turns off and like hides behind a corner. And then later on they're using these mannequins to pretend to be people so the robots shoot at them. So I just feel like the, the screenwriters weren't really as students of the robots because i don't know maybe some are smarter than others the one guy who who has deniability like no i'm sorry i was over here in the corner i was shut down the whole time they're the ones <laughs> yeah. killing the fucking kids and the janitor yeah and somehow they figured out how to like dynamite open that door when they're hiding behind it how yeah. the hell did they do that <laughs> The door opens inward towards the robot at one point. He's got no fucking hands to open it, and you don't see him move at all. It's just like the door just blows open like it's in weird science. I'm just, hey, um... Yeah. What? <laughs> well, they're also telepathic, obviously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is... A lot of people... Are telekinetic. Aren't going to get this. But the, the robots... Uh, there, there was no Wi-Fi in the 80s. So, how are these things communicating? I don't know. I don't think and, this movie ever expected three <laughs> random internet assholes to talk about it 30 years later. I don't think so either. Yeah. So. <laughs> but that is that is us tearing it apart for the sake of tearing it apart for, for plausibility and everything. Oh, fuck yeah. That's what we're here for. But that's... Yeah. I thought but it was we know how majestic silly it is. We know it's, it, really it's dumb. dumb. Yeah, it's really a pretty decent movie, regardless. Like, yeah. even when you tear it apart, it's still it made me, it making me laugh. Yeah, it was entertaining. Um, you kind of knew what was going to happen, but you still, you know, you still want to see it happen, I guess. It's not a movie that put on and you're like, this is so dumb, I have to turn it off. Movie. 
Yeah, this is this is a you have to be in a mood for a nostalgic film to to decide to watch it. But if you're already in that right. mode, you're going to get exactly what you want out of it. <laughs> Which is a lot of 80s boobs. Yeah, I don't think anyone like sits down no one's going to sit down and be like, we're going to watch Chopping Mall because this is going to make me think more about life. True, yes. Yeah. No, you, you go into it expecting cheap fun. Exactly. Pretty much like hanging out with Corey. Thank you. <laughs> cheap, cheap sexual fun. Ooh. I yeah, also... My dad would call it a beer and pretzels movie, which, mm. you know, sometimes you're just in the mood to like completely turn your brain off and like... Watch heads explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no other reason to watch a lot of these 80s horror movies. Unless, That's true. Unless you just kind of want to shut off. Like, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I... Like I said, I, one of my favorite movies from the 80s is Night of the Comet. <clears throat> I don't think I realized until I started watching this again, and it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, I, didn't, I don't think I realized that Kelly Maroney was in this um so so seeing her uh made me very happy uh and and again that this movie was kind of a follow-up to that one in in mm-hmm. a lot of ways a lot of the same actors were in it uh the the people who played the blands didn't actually play the blands in night of the comet but they were in it and this would be a perfect pairing for me is like a night where i watched night of the comet and i'm like well after that i've got to watch chopping mall i is night of the comet the one with the like Alien Slugs? No, that's Night of the Creeps, which is also oh, a great movie and, I, and a favorite of mine. Night of the Comet even, is Night of the Comet is two sisters uh, who who uh, basically they both survive Haley's Comet coming over, and it changes, it kills a bunch of humanity, but it also causes mm-hmm. some people who live to have an infection that slowly turns them into zombie-esque type beings. They get more violent and they just go around and start killing people until they eventually break down, uh, either go completely crazy um, or or just die. And so it's them and they meet up with, strangely enough, the the guy from uh, from Eating Raul, uh, who was Jacote in Star Trek Voyager. Um, okay. But he's hanging out with them too, and it's just like them going around. It's a post-apocalyptic world, except it just happened. So overnight, it goes from the world is normal to almost everybody's dead, and they go and they get automatic weapons and and they fend off whoever's coming after them and thing, trying to survive this new world. Uh, Not sure if any of them actually have the infection too. It's a cute. I don't think I've seen it. It's great. It's it's been on my list for us to do for a while, and it's gonna stay there. Yeah, I just probably not as necessary to talk about now. <laughs> Every time someone I, talks about Night I of the know. Comet, all I think about is Maniac Mansion, which is a great. What's movie. it called? Uh, there was a Nintendo game called Maniac Mansion, which wasn't the sequel uh-huh. Day of the Tentacle or Night of the yep. Tentacle. Day of the Tentacle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're just uh, that's a great so idea. in Maniac Mansion you play like three people and and you try and break into this mansion and figure out what the fuck is going on because a comet crashed there. They made a TV show out of it. TV show was really bad. I played that game on my Commodore sixty four. 
Uh, You're so old. <laughs> I am really old. I played it on Nintendo and then later on emulators on my computer. Day of the Tentacle just got re-released. I played through that again not that long ago. Yeah, I think it's got it on my Steam wish list. Oh, God damn it, Corey. You know what's going to happen yeah. is I'm going to get drunk and buy it for you. You're a beautiful That's how man. all these things happen. That's why I keep Matt around and keep encouraging him to, to drink. <laughs> my, basement, my basement looks like a fucking liquor store. Matt, you want to do a podcast and then buy me pretty things? <laughs> Backstory for anyone that missed the episode. Corey and I were talking about Phantasmagoria and I just went and bought it for him. Nice. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was like five bucks. It's, it's not a big deal. Like, But still, this is this is my life. I just bought like two pounds of beef jerky while you guys were talking. Oh, wow. I'm the worst. Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Okay, so speaking of Phantasmagoria, try to follow me here. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that the tall man from Phantasm was in Angus Grimm. I was about to go to the oh, same wow. thing. Yeah. He plays her dad, it's- and it's like he's got this, this presence of like, oh, obviously you're fucking my daughter, and obviously I want to kill and eat your face. Uh, but go ahead, honey. If it makes you happy, daddy will <laughs> let you stay here and fuck your boyfriend in the mall. I know, and he also like kind of slut shamed his daughter because um, he said something like, "Oh, I'm sure you will do everything for him" or something like that. I was like, "That's kind of rude." <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not pleasant interaction with it, but it seemed like it was there for no other reason than to have Angus Grimm in there because it had no payoff. Yeah. He had nothing to do with the movie after that scene. I know you definitely expect him to be come back in some way, but. Um, I think he just has a face that's like made to be a villain. So they just wanted to like put him in there as another little like nod and wink for all of that. Know who that is. <laughs> and I instantly recognize him. I'm like, holy shit, that's great. But potentially because I thought that maybe he would have more to do with it. At the same yeah. time, yeah, it's it's one of those things that if you if you have a movie that has all the in jokes, if you have a movie that has all these these different horror um, staples, uh, actors and actresses. I guess the, the kid who played the mute in um, Nightmare on Elm Street three and four, oh. uh, Joey, he was in this in a cut scene. He was a shoplifter at the oh. mall, uh, but it never made it into huh. the film. But it was his first film that he was ever in. Um, so it's kind of too bad that he didn't get to actually stay in the footage. But yeah, there, yeah, there's so many things about that that it's like, sure, I, I absolutely want to have these moments. I want to have more people be a part of this. It's cool now when we see it because it's like a throwback. It's all the nostalgia thing. But this was nostalgia yeah. in 1986. There wasn't a lot of that then. It wasn't something that we utilized or expected. Um, so to kind mm-hmm. of celebrate itself by including all these different aspects, I think is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they were going for something uh, and probably in a way it fell flat for people that weren't in the know. Cause like, I know the first time I saw it and like the, the blands in the very beginning, I'm like, what is with this random couple that's making these really stupid comments? But then when I, uh, you know, looked them up, I was like, Oh, okay. They're like known entities. Um, the chick was like part of like the Warhol factory scene and they had just been in a movie like eating Raul together. Uh, yep. But if you don't know that, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? 
And that's just, I, I watched Eating Raul on cable in the 80s quite a bit. It was a weird-ass movie. I don't know why I was so drawn to it, but it was one of those things that went on midnight on Showtime or whatever. You probably thought it was like, a porno. It, well, it was It was very strange. It was a lot of, they, they wind up, they're a very proper couple who sleep in separate beds. And uh, the wife keeps getting attacked by people in their apartment building because all these swinger parties happen there. So they kill the first guy who comes in there and tries to sexually molest her. The husband kills him. And then they realize, oh, well, we stole all this money out of this guy's wallet because he's rich uh, as a swinger. We could just keep killing people and taking their money and it'll it'll help us save our business that's going out. And okay. it's a weird ass film, but it's it's one of those things that was kind of like a staple of in the 80s. It's I saw this. I'm like. Wow. Okay. That that's stuck in my brain now for the rest of my life. <laughs> I Probably you know I recognize the name, but I have never seen it. And I remember hearing the name when I was a lot younger, and it does not give any indication of what that movie could possibly be about. And when I read the description, I was just like, that does not really connect for me. But I kind of want to see it because it sounds super weird. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is a one of a kind film and and that that's exactly why you'd see it it's it's a classic weird one and and like you said it stars an actress who was known for being in andy warhol stuff and mm -hmm. um paul bartell who started in it and uh and made it again these people they did a lot of stuff together post that movie and even before that movie they were in death race 2020 together so it, it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like when you see robert england show up and stuff even though he's not playing Freddy Krueger and you're just like, well, it's a horror movie and who can we get? Well, let's see if we can get Robert England because he doesn't say yeah, no exactly. anything and, and nobody complains. He'll Somebody probably said, do it too. Oh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, sure, sure as shit. We'll have Robert England in this. Um, and everybody yeah, will be happy uh, that he's speaking there. Speaking of which, exactly. He's like, he's down for anything. I saw there's an upcoming movie. I cannot remember what it's called right now, but it has Robert England. It has, um, Gunnar Hansen. Oh, um, uh, it's, it's the um, fucking. So it's called. I think it's called Death House. Corey, back me up. Like the I, list was all like you know different people that I played like. Uh, Danielle Harris. Villain, and I was like, huh? I think Danielle Harris is in it. This too. I yeah, I think so. It was just like this list of people that is like kind of like a horror nerd's wet dream. And it was kind of bizarre to me that it's coming out now, <laughs> you know, as opposed to like 10 years ago, but I'm excited for it. Yeah, Gunnar Hansen is actually one of the writers on it. Uh, Adrian Barbeau is in it. Dee Wallace, Sid Haig. Or is it? Yeah, yeah. Robert, Robert Englund isn't listed as being in that movie, but Death House does have Dee Wallace, Sid Haig, Kane Hodder, Bill Mosley. Yep. Yeah, there's just, it's, it, it's. Okay. Barbara Crampton, yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, that, maybe in my head I just cast him in it because he should be in it. I, I agree. Should. I agree. He's the only one that's missing. We should write him a letter. <laughs> a strongly worded letter. Yes. <laughs> Why were you not there? Like you have to be in this movie, obviously. This he'd weekend. be like, I okay. Some time with the kids, you know. Just shut up. Let me. Let me have this. <laughs> He's. Uh, I, I love seeing the fact that. Um, 
some of these, uh, you know, actors are still like still acting. Um, one of the chicks, not Barbara Crampton, but the other, I think the other D. blonde, huh? D. Wallace. No, 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 from Chopping Mall. Oh, from sorry. Chopping Mall. Okay. Sorry, that was like you're not psychic. Uh, the other blonde from Chopping Mall was just in um, House of the Devil. Uh, Susie Slater. Oh, I never, yeah, I never saw it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh my God, are you serious? Dude, you know how many fucking movies I have that I want to see? It's on my list. It's just. I'm... It is so fucking good. You know how uh, there's like this whole um, capture when you watch House of the Devil, you actually feel like you're just watching a movie that was made in like 1984. It's so fucking good. Huh. Oh, um, it's sorry. Barry Warrenoff was in House of the Devil. That's... I'm sorry. Yes, yes. That's the one. That's the one. Uh, yeah, see. no, it's a it's an amazing movie. It's probably in the top five of horror movies for me from the past 10 or 15 years. Uh, Growly in the chat said that D. Wallace was the MILF of the 80s. I think she's she still really said that? Uh, Our YouTube chat, our buddy Growly Bear, oh. he hangs out every... It's Monday morning for him. Oh, okay. Don't remember what country he's in. I'm waiting patiently for him to answer that question. But yeah, he spends his Monday mornings listening to Corey and I talk about dicks and jizz. Nice. Well, she was definitely like a bit of a scream queen, but like kind of older than the average scream queen, or at least, you know, was portraying older characters. Um, But yeah, she was pretty hot. Yeah, she was playing moms in things like Cujo and... Yeah. There was never a point where D. Wallace wasn't. It, it's kind of like Somebody's seeing Patrick Stewart back in movies in the seventies. <laughs> he still looks just like Patrick Stewart of today. He's still bald and oh. and looks oh. kind of crinkly, but it doesn't matter because it's Patrick Stewart and he's awesome. Exactly, like they look like they were born thirty-five. <laughs> to uh, circle back, our our old pal Growly's in Singapore. Okay. Yeah, so like one eighth of our listeners are in a different country. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Because <laughs> you know, eight, eight people listen. He's one. See what he did there? Made fun of us. I, I, I tracked that. <laughs> just, uh, Thanks for explaining it, though. <laughs> yeah, it's less funny when you have to explain it. You know, I didn't have to. True. Uh, House of the Devil is no longer on Netflix. Oh, man. It might be on Amazon Prime. It is on absolutely nothing right now. Not available for streaming, rental, or purchase. Those dicks. I'll get my hands on it. You it's so good. Ugh. I know. I, I haven't talked it up too much, but it's, it's so good. It's um, I think a lot of the problem with people trying to like capitalize on the '80s nostalgia is that they're too self-aware and it's too like tongue-in-cheek. This is not like that at all. It's like watching an '80s satanic panic movie that is not self-aware at all it's huh. it's amazing yeah we did a review of the void not too long ago and it's got a lot of aesthetics uh-huh. of of 80s movies uh there's yes, some other one that uh, i caught my wife watching and i can't remember what it's called off the top of my head but it it had like i think they found a vhs tape and they were it was Backdoor sluts nine beyond the yes. gates Beyond the Gates, that's okay. right. 
I have not seen that, but I just read a description of it like while I was watching Chopping Mall. <laughs> nice. Like, I, I, there was some over there, might be an actor from that movie in Beyond the Gates, but I've heard that that's a really good movie. It looked good what I saw of her watching it, but I, I tried not to pay attention because I, we were on our break. And right. I'm also trying not to actively ruin too many horror movies for myself by watching them before we see them for the show. I liked The Void, but I didn't like it as much as I kind of wanted to. Uh, it kind of felt like it was trying to be the thing too much. And then it kind of turned into like Hellraiser. So it was like this weird hmm. amalgamation of like a couple different horror genres. I don't know. It was a, It was definitely interesting, but... Um, You're right. The journey definitely takes it from what you think it's going to be one movie and then all the cult stuff and everything else um, to this other movie. Um, but but certainly when it got to the, the Hellraiser portions of it, that's when I knew I loved it. Uh, yeah, because I'm a Hellraiser I, guy. I don't know. I, I but if you're going to steal it. from anything, stealing from, from John Carpenter's A Thing and from Clive Barker, <laughs> that's a pretty good thing to aim for. That's very true. And The Thing is like probably like my all-time favorite movie. So that's why it was like extremely obvious to me, but probably a more modern viewer who hadn't seen that would probably just think it's a really great horror movie. Right. Yeah. And that, that's another part of doing a show like this and why it was good that we took a break is because you can become a little bit jaded to horror movies when you watch them continuously and and trying to yeah. feel like there's still any originality left, um, trying to feel that there's still stuff that can actually scare you. Um, it becomes a little bit like every week is a cliche of some sort because you've seen it all before. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's been a really good resurgence in the last like 10 years. Um, I think that after Scream came out, there was just so many that were trying to be that same kind of feeling. and there were so many just terrible movies between, you know, 1997 to like, but I've noticed that there's a lot of newer directors out there that are really doing some super unique stuff. And it's been really exciting to actually stump movies and holy shit. I've never seen this before. Like for example, Deathgasm, have you seen that? Oh yeah. I, when I, I just happened to stumble upon it, I'm like, this looks ridiculous. But I was like, oh my God, it blew my mind how it was so fucking unique, but also had, um, you know, aspects you can identify with from like zombie movies and that kind of thing. Yeah, it might be one of the highest ranked movies on our list of things that we reviewed because uh, we, we were absolutely I in love with it. it. I love it so much. Um, I watched it and then the next day I was like, I made my dad watch it with me and he loved it too. But I had forgotten the whole like dildo fight scene. Yes. <laughs> so the dad and I was like, um, I forgot about this part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the top of my head, the only thing I think that might beat it out in the scores is Xanadu, of course, because Xanadu. But it, it certainly was up there. That Xanadu was so awesome. Um, I've never seen it. I have no interest in it. 
oh, you're you're totally missing out. But it will own your soul. We, out, Matt and I before the show yeah. were talking about how we saw the the new it uh, while we were on break, uh -huh. and it I think is both a completely recognizable for everything that it it's it's come before it film. Obviously, it's a remake, which itself is based off a book from the '70s. So a lot of things have emulated it for years. Right. But but I can see how Hollywood is now going to want to try to make more stuff like it. And it itself came around at a time when people were already looking at Stranger Things and thinking how good Stranger Things is, which has yeah. a lot that it owes to it. But I I look at it and I think the problem isn't going to be that everybody wants to copy this. It's that they're going to copy the wrong things because why it is so yeah, good exactly. is because of the writing and the character work more than anything else. The way that those kids are and how they interact I think is the the selling point of this movie for me uh, above all the the really cool stuff with Pennywise, which is all good, but isn't really doing anything new. And for a lot of horror people, isn't even considered that scary. Um, what I right. always try to say to people is like, it's not a horror movie in the sense of like trying to scare adults. It's trying to scare the kids at a level the kids would be scared by these yeah. things. Um, and how they will change that to the adults is going to be the make or break for the the second portion of the film. But I loved yeah. the way that those kids acted with each other and on their own and everything. And I think that for me is why that movie is so good. And I want to see anybody who does try to emulate it, copy that portion of it, not just, oh, well, kids afraid of clowns. That's that's what our hook is. That's what people want right now. That's because the most right. successful yeah. movie ever made now is, is a movie about kids being scared by a clown. It's really not what it is. You know, it's so funny you say that because I uh, got interviewed yesterday uh, for the Unfound podcast. And at the very end, we just randomly started talking about horror movies and we we're talking about that movie. And I was saying that it left me feeling deliriously happy in a weird way because of how organic the kid characters were and how realistic their dialogue and, you know, just everything about it really, um, like, it was like all the bad parts of the made-for-TV movie were fixed. And, like, the casting was, like, basically spot on. And after I saw it, I was, like, I actually had, like, chills because of how good it was. And I was talking to friends about it, and I said, I didn't really like the portrayal of Pennywise, but I just fucking love the movie. And they were, like, how can you like not really like the villain, but like the movie. And I was like, well, it's because the villain portion of the movie was like actually like the least important, you know? Yeah. I don't know why I didn't love the portrayal, but I would expect for that to have ruined the movie for me, but it didn't affect the quality of it at all. I thought that movie was pretty much perfect. Yeah, I feel exactly the same way. Is is the stuff with, with Pennywise was was good. And was was perfectly adequate for what you expect from a, a horrific clown film, which he wasn't even the clown all the time. But they they did some good stuff with it, but it wasn't about that. And that's that's yeah. the trick is you have a movie mm -hmm. that is elevated by all these other things so that you get a horror movie that is also a really, really great movie besides that. Yeah. Uh, and I think Stephen King, you know, he's kind of known for having sort of unfilmable movies or or unfilmable books or books that don't translate very well to screen as many of his made for tv movies are you know like 
don't know, Tommy knockers. <laughs> but um, I thought it seems like a movie that, it, or a book could be really hard to adapt. And they somehow got it right after, you know, I think many of us, I'm a massive Stephen King fan, of course, uh, were really nervous about this movie coming out because they had like director changes and like rewrites and stuff like that. So I think a lot of us were really nervous it was going to be awful. Uh, so it was very, it was a big relief that it was amazing. And, um, you know, he just doesn't need another terrible movie based on his stuff. What's funny is Stephen King, uh, when he writes directly for the film, when he wrote an original screenplay, you get Sleepwalkers, which is just so not good. Or the uh, made-for-TV movie version of The Shining, starring obviously Stephen Weber. Yes. <laughs> it was awful. And, and I, I wanted King it to be like, so good. I really wanted that movie know, to be but good. He was like all about it for some reason. Because he wanted to unassociate it with with the director it, it, because the movie was has always been seen as a kubrick movie not a stephen king movie which is it's, it was very early in king's recognition as being a a hollywood vo name as opposed to just a book name but yeah that's always going to be seen as kubrick's film and and really has nothing to do with stephen king and, and was very different from one his book because again like you said his books are usually unfilmable um but that's why yeah. when you see somebody who does it right, and and what I, I the other take back from from it for me is that it reminds me so much of Stand by Me, um, with yes. the way that the characters are together, Definitely. the kids and everything. And that was a great movie again because it concentrated on the characters more than than anything else. I think if you have solid characters, even in a lackluster story, it can elevate a film much higher than having great effects or a super scary creature. Yeah, um, but the rest of the time, you hate everybody that's in the movie. Yeah, and, oh, man, I mean, just the, I, like, fell in love with all of the kid actors. Like, I generally kind of avoid movies that star kids because they're usually not good. Um, I was, like, blown away by how good they were. I mean, I feel like there was a couple of uh, the characters that weren't, weren't really used that much, but... You know the main couple of kids i was just like oh my god i love this kid like the main kid um the girl was just like it's like something about her you know she's going to be a big star yeah and of course finn wolfhard oh i, I want to hug him stole every scene <laughs> stole every scene in that movie yes um, uh, i just so i'm like I'm so happy I found like uh, you know kid actors actually like because it you know it it makes that nostalgia I guess that much easier to feel. Yep. All right. Well, so we we've, we've turned this into review of it. Let's. Uh, Didn't want to stop you guys, but I feel like maybe we should we should rate Chopping Mall, which is that's the, exactly where I'm saying we came here. Go back for. and rate Chopping Mall. <laughs> okay. Uh. We uh, I, we did away with the the jerk off scale. I okay. haven't found a new one, so I guess we're just gonna do a, a straight zero to five. Uh, what you thought of the movie and a justification of why you gave that? We'll, we'll go from there. It, Ariel okay. is our guest. You have to go first. Okay, so you said zero to five. Yep. Yes, and we also accept half points. Yep. Okay, so am I rating this? on a scale of all movies ever or like this specific genre 
Uh, you're really getting a little too deep for us. <laughs> well, I, I I'm not going to compare to like Shawshank Redemption because then it'll be like a zero. Um, <sighs> but as far as like you put, you... 80s horror movies go, I think for me personally, it ranks pretty highly just because it's got that perfect mixture of like cheesiness and like kind of like attempted uh, suspense. Um Man, zero to five. Probably and definitely two. rated rated as a horror movie. And and your horror movie when you're going for a horror film, where would this rank as to the choice that you would make to watch at that point in time? Okay, <laughs> it's like all movies ever. It's probably like one point five to two. But if I'm basing it just like horror movies and like if i'm looking at a huge selection of like all horror movies ever what do i want to watch probably two to 2.5 yeah if you take it back to like you're in the old vhs store and you're looking at the the choices up there on the the shelves what do you want to take yes. home that weekend you know what's going to be your 48 hour and hopefully i don't have to pay an extra buck because i didn't forget to rewind it and uh, I didn't keep it late, and they're charging me an extra week for the rental. Uh, and and yep. yeah, that that's higher a... definitely because I mean that fucking cover art, it's great. I mean, obviously it's extremely misleading, but it was it's good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I am gonna go. I'm going to go a little bit higher just because this is, again, a, a kind of movie that I enjoy. I like stuff that doesn't take itself super seriously. It also gets points for me for the cameo portions of it, the yeah. the, the blatant pandering to the audience of if you're if you're a person who likes cheesy horror movies or if you're also a person who likes uh, Corman films or, or just other weird flicks that you would watch on cable late night. Uh, this this will hit a lot of marks for you, and it did for me. So I'm going to yeah. go as high as a uh, 3.5. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Corey's always super nice about things. Uh, I'm not going to be yeah. not going to be anywhere near as nice. Um, I thought it was uh, it was a pretty decent 80s horror movie, but in terms of story, there's obviously a lot of holes. Um, yeah. No pun intended. Furniture king scene. Uh, <laughs> Okay. Would I ever likely go back and watch this again without drinking? No. With drinking and the right group of people? Potentially. Yeah. Uh, so you're going to say absolutely because when are you not drinking? When I go to work, I'm not drinking, Corey. Don't get me uh, work doesn't count. Work doesn't and... count. I can't legally be drunk at work, so that, that time just doesn't count. Um, I'm going to go with a two also. Just because I'm an asshole. No, two is reasonable. I am not discounting what you guys have chosen as your scores. You're I just, reasonable. because of who I am, ranked it a little higher. That's how this works. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I could always probably be convinced a little bit either way, too, because it's all kind of subjective. Um, it's just fun. And I've seen it, like, first time I saw it, I was, like, 28 or 29. I'm now 33 times. <laughs> so obviously it's fun. I would definitely watch it again to like show it to somebody. 
you know, there's certain movies that like you watch a million times because you keep meeting somebody that's never seen it. And I think this could be one of those movies like, you know, someone doesn't, you know, watch a lot of horror movies. It's not a bad one to really like introduce them to like cheesy, weird movies from the eighties. Yeah. And, and we're not, we're not a filmmakers or film experts review system. This show is, is a couple of guys who, who liked horror movies enough to talk about them and, and get together and, and have some fun making fun of them a little bit every week. Um, but the way I look at it is if I'm watching cable, it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm looking for something to watch. This is a movie that would show up in the listings and I go, oh, I can throw on Chopping Mall. Absolutely. You know, it, yeah. it's better than, than any of the infomercials. It's better than watching the reruns of Law and Order SVU or whatever that's on at this point. It's like, yeah, I will stop on Chopping Mall over most yeah, of the Yeah, I can see that. Yep. You just put it on and it's like kind of uh, background noise. Yeah, it's it's a real mm-hmm. real person's ranking. Yes. Hey, uh, Corey, okay. why don't you do what I bring you here for? Uh, publicly masturbate? No, read the outro. Fucking oh, the same thing. Uh, so <laughs> you can contact us by leaving a voicemail at 805-328-3966. It's the same number as the first season, only you can use it mm-hmm. because you didn't. Uh, you can email us at pot at gncast.com or leave us a message on our website. You can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're at Podcast of Terror and all of those places. And you subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any of your favorite podcatchers. That's how we like to do it. We're here for you. All subscription options can be found uh, at gncast.com slash subscribe. And you can join our Facebook page, Podcast of Terror. Or you can join the network's page, Galactic Network. Ariel. Where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you and what you're doing right now? Best place? Uh, well, if you want to listen to my voice, probably iTunes or, you know, whatever you use, Stitcher, Google Play. If you want to actually, like, interact with me on the interwebs, probably Twitter, at Murder of the Sun. I'm pretty active on there. Um, I mean, I don't love the social media, but it's definitely, like, it's a really good way of interacting with your audience, so... That's where I could probably be found the quickest and easiest. And the name of your show is Murder Under the Midnight Sun? That is correct. And that is a good place for people to look for you. Yeah, Yeah, I'll I'll have the links in the show notes too. So if you're a fucking lazy human being, I'll take care of it for you. (laughs) Corey, where can people find you? Uh, You can find the comics that I help publish at donescomics.com. And nothing else you're not going to talk about your wife this week maybe you're the man that created your salsa oh uh so i'm wearing a t-shirt that is for a pretty shitty band that you probably never heard of called drown the lifeguard uh Mac see that band, box right? back there yeah that's a box full of those shirts <laughs> i thought it was human head <laughs> no no i have not put the shirts in the bin yet um and and the artwork on the shirt was actually designed by my wife uh, you can find her work at uh, hag underscore attack on Instagram. Uh, she is blowing shit up right now with her art. She's actually going nice. to do some appearances in Detroit at the end oh, of next nice. month. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited for her. She's she's taking this stuff very seriously and and doing a lot of stuff. Her her episode of the uh, Circus of Chaos was on again last night, so we got to see her be the featured artist of the week again. I just love it. I just loved seeing her 
and her success because I know that she comes home and she draws every single day after a long work day on her days off just from morning till night. Uh, it's a blast to see this happen for her. That is exciting, yeah, because uh, making it in a creative creative endeavor is fucking hard as shit. <laughs> That's why I went back to school. Playing drums. Yeah. Shitty metal band doesn't quite pay the bills. Neither does uh, having an English and history degree. <laughs> dude, our, so our vocalist actually has an English degree, and he is the director of ticket operations for like the big-ass amphitheater outdoor music venue in Milwaukee. So nothing English-related. Yeah, I mean, obviously I do a lot of research, uh, so that aspect is related, but I wouldn't say I make a good living doing the podcast. Maybe someday. Yeah, as long as you're happy. That's what matters. Exactly. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and uh, untapped because I'm an alcoholic at Matt the Lifeguard. It's good to be back, guys. Um, so next week, we're going to be joined by creator of unscripted pj starks we're going to be talking about a little movie from uh 2017 called the monster project i'll have a link in the show notes for that movie if you haven't seen it yet so that's going to do it for another episode of the podcast darren we'll talk to you guys next week stay scared everybody Bye.